Lord God, help me to speak your word with faithfulness, clarity, authority, passion, wisdom, humility, and liberty. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, does anyone else find it a little bit disturbing when they see people that they know, uh, even Christians, even people who are part of this congregation, uh, clicking the little I'm interested button when the nearest psychic fair comes up? Am I the only one? (laughs) I see that and I'm like, really? You're interested in that? Well, luckily enough, I have just the sermon for you. (laughs) You know, more than ever, things that have to do with the occult, for the first time in all of history, if if a culture wasn't set around the occult of being a pagan culture, the occult is becoming popular. More and more occultic practices are becoming popular. They're not just something over there on the side where occasionally you pass that head shop and the psychic shop next to it and, you know, those sorts of things. But now it's becoming very mainstream. Some people tend to find the occult amusing, like a form of entertainment. Yeah, we'll just go try that out. It'll be a fun time. Well, others find it really appealing to get involved with that. There are shops and bookstores over, all over the country, but, you know, I was, fu- I was shocked when I looked at the numbers and found out that over a million people adhere to practicing Wiccanism. A million people. That's a little bit more than Seventh-day Adventists. That's a little bit more than Jehovah's Witnesses. Can you believe that there are that many people practicing the occult in America? I was shocked. Maybe I'm just really out of touch. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm going to try really, really hard in this sermon not to go to the conspiracy theorist route. I don't want to end up on YouTube being that guy that blasts Pokemon. You know what I'm saying? But I was surprised to find interviews with people who practice Wicca saying that certain things in pop culture led them to being Wiccan. This is not us Christians saying don't do this and don't do that and don't do that and don't do that. These are people who are practicing Wiccanism saying this is what led me to, be, to my faith, to practicing what I do. They, you might be surprised to find out how innocent these things were. Things like, say, things, they, they would say that when they were kids, they would play things like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! They would read Lord of the Rings. They would read Harry Potter. They would pretty much have anything to do with magic or summoning or runes or ancient language, like anything like that that was a fantasy. And anything that made them feel like they could control something. Anything that had to do with conjuring or summoning or magic or the idea that I can influence this physical realm without moving it with my body. You know what I'm saying? And then those are just the more innocent ones. Then there are things in our popular culture that are intentionally darker. Things like Magic the Gathering, which is spelled with a K, 
which is not like the illusionists and you know when you go to a magic show this is like i'm going to make something happen in the spiritual realm that's going to affect the physical realm <laughs> things like world of warcraft things like dungeons and dragons these things that use darker imagery that are more violent and more graphic and usually have more occultic symbolism attached to them. And I was horrified to find out that people who practice witchcraft, this Wiccanism, actually seek out apprentices and try to get people into it, and they target kids at these gatherings. So they'll go to a Pokemon convention or a Magic the Gathering convention, and they'll say, hey... You seem like you're really getting a kick out of this. You want to try the real thing. And, they'll t- and the one guy that I was reading this interview with, I'm not going to say his name because I don't necessarily want to promote it or advertise him, but what he said was, I never had a kid tell me no. <laughs> so I'm not going to try and take these things out of context and say, if you play Pokemon... <laughs> You're going to do this for the rest of all. If you read Harry Potter, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I read Harry Potter. My kids play Pokemon. I play Pokemon. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Don't feel guilty. But I was shocked to see that it was these things that sent people searching for something more than just the physical plane. And that they would target kids because kids were already open to it from these experiences through these games and movies and books. I was really shocked to find out that people in pop culture that I never thought of before are really into this stuff. (laughs) So tell me if you've heard these names before. Jimmy Page, Jim Morrison, Stevie Nicks, Timothy Leary, that's that's not a big jump, but (laughs) Uh, William Burroughs, David Bowie, Daryl Hall. That's right, Hall and Oates. <laughs> Daryl Hall. Arthur Conan Doyle. And Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, Oh, he's like that way he's that way that he is now because of the drugs. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah. But all of those people that I just named actually practiced the occult. They didn't just read about it. They didn't just use symbolism. They, they have interviews talking about how they practiced the occult, and usually it went side, to, side by side with drug abuse. And that doesn't even mention all the imagery of the occult that is used nowadays anywhere from people who enjoy dark imagery like bands and filmographers all the way to the most simple things like perfume commercials. Perfume, a perfume commercial from England actually had a woman doing these kind of dances and stuff like that in front of a magic eye and being enveloped into the all-seeing eye. Perfume! Like, how mainstream does it get when a perfume commercial has this imagery in it? Shocking. Shocking. So as your priest and your pastor, I try to pay attention to when some of you have clicked on the interested button when the local Facebook fair comes to town. I notice when you quote your astrological signs, your fortunes, your horoscopes. I know that games are played with questionable imagery, that there are movies that are watched that have questionable imagery, and 
music that we listen to that has questionable imagery. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty because I do it too. I do these things. I read Harry Potter. (laughs) I listen to Ozzy Osbourne, okay? So I'm not saying don't do that or do that. Because for a lot of us, it is easygoing entertainment, and it is just for the fun of it. But like all things, if we're not careful to guard our hearts, it can become sinful. Eating chocolate can become sinful. (laughs) Doesn't mean there's anything inherently wrong with eating chocolate, but if you do it the wrong way or if you don't guard your heart, it can become sinful. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay, so that's what we're talking about. But I do want you to be aware I want you to be aware of what's happening. Like when you listen to Led Zeppelin's Zozo, I had no idea, I was not aware that that is a rune from Sumeria. And that was his occultic code name, Jimmy Page's code name for himself. He called himself Zozo as a part of his occultic practices. I had no idea. I was not aware of that. I had no idea that Ozzy writing lyrics to Mr. Crowley was Aleister Crowley, the famous occultic practitioner, the founder of one of the occultic religions. I had no idea that the runes in the Lord of the Rings or the systems of magic in Skyrim were based on occultic practice. (laughs) I was not aware of these things, but I want you to be aware. And I definitely want my children to be aware. I'm not saying, you know... (laughs) Get rid of it. Let's get a burn barrel in the back going. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be aware. Okay? Can we all say that's a good thing? Okay. I want my children especially to be aware so that they can be cautious and so that they know what going too far with something looks like. And those are things just with imagery. (laughs) Those are things just with runes and, you know, just, just fantasy things. But what about actual psychics? What about actual people who practice Wicca and cast spells? What about people who actually try to say that they tell your fortune? Now, I'm not going to try and argue for this stuff does do what they say it does or that it doesn't, because I think it depends on what's happening. But what I do want to explore is what does the Bible have to say about these things? And what is it that God wants for our lives? That's the question. When you walk out of here, I want you to be able to walk into somebody who's doing one of these things and say, here's what the Bible says, and so I know what God wants for you. Okay? All right. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 18 today. If you have your Bibles, if not, uh, we're going to have somebody hand them to you. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Someone's going to tell me a page in like five seconds here. (laughs) Not yours, yeah. <laughs> 179. Page 179. So paganism has been around pretty much as long as humanity has existed, and here is why. Because the nature of the human heart is such that we're trying to figure out the world around us. We have this knowledge and this desire that there is more than just the physical stuff that we see, the physical objects that we see and we can manipulate. There is something innate in us that knows that there is something other that has to do with how everything works. We just know this. And that's why paganism has always been around forever and ever and ever. So let's start off at verse 9. 
This is God talking through Moses. And he's talking to the people that had just left Egypt. (laughs) And so he's getting them ready to go into the land that they're going to inhabit. And he starts telling them to be careful. So he says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn. Did you hear that language? You shall not learn (laughs) to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Now, God is basically telling them, this might seem interesting. It might seem like some of your neighbors have been given some really interesting power. That you might be tempted to try and get some of that for yourself because you don't want to be left behind and you don't want to be in an uneven playing field and you don't want anybody to have an advantage over you. So you're going to be exposed to it, but I'm telling you, do not learn to follow those practices. Notice, did not say don't become exposed to them. Same way I said Being exposed to them in Harry Potter, being exposed to them in Yu-Gi-Oh, being exposed to them in all these things. That's not what it said. It it didn't say don't be exposed. It said do not learn to follow them. Very important. God chose his words carefully, did he not? Okay. All right. And also notice, going the other way, that Jesus does not say you should not. He said you shall not. <laughs> this is commandment language. You know the Ten Commandments? You shall not. <laughs> so if you're a Christian, and if you have taken a vow to live your life according to the word of Jesus, and to give glory and honor to your God, you'll honor the commandment. You shall not. Verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. And I know that seemed like an easy one. And we're like, woo. <laughs> yeah, I never had that temptation. But did you know David Bowie did? Mm-hmm. David Bowie in an interview said that while he was high one day, a voice very strongly told him, you need to have a child so that you can sacrifice him. And that's when he knew he was too far gone and needed to stop You guys are surprised by this. Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you about the enemy. Is he the same as he's been for a long, long time, or has he changed? What is it about taking a new creation, like a child, and destroying it that doesn't sound like the enemy to you? Huh? Well, yeah, well. It's another subject. Notice this says, anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. We're sticking to the occult today. He keeps going and he says, anyone who practices divination. Divination is trying to cloud over, trying to look through the clouds to know something covertly without having found out about it through information. You just know something. These are people like Nostradamus who try to use the spirits to figure out hidden knowledge. Right? He keeps going. He says, nor anyone who tells fortunes, like predicting the future. Anyone who interprets omens, like reading the tea leaves, consulting the bones, the magic eight ball. <laughs> nor a sorcerer, someone who whispers spells. That's what the original Hebrew word means. They whisper spells under their breath. Nor a charmer. 
someone who ties magical terms together to have an impact. Or a medium, someone who stands between the spirit world and our world and serves as a bridge so that one can talk to the other. Or a necromancer. This is actually not anything to do with dead people. It's actually one who has a spirit familiar. Someone who has a demon standing next to them at all times talking to them. (laughs) That sounds like a fun time. Nor one who inquires of the dead. There's the dead people. Trying to tie into the spirit world to get in touch with the spirits of the people who are gone. How do you know, by the way? <laughs> like, if you did go and try and find your, you know, grandfather who passed on, whatever. How would you know it's him? Like, you think that the demons who've been hanging around us for a long time watching everything that we do won't know what his life was like? Come on. You, you'll never know. How do you know? <laughs> you never know. And for each one of these things, I can think very easily about how there are, first of all, real practices for each of them. Like people are out there really doing every one of these things in the commandment today. But then there are also romanticized entertainment versions of them. Things like horoscopes. Oh, that's just fun. It's in the funny section. It's in the comics. Why? Because that's where the simple people like me go when I read the newspaper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> things like fortune tellers eh, you pay somebody five bucks to get your fortune told that's just fun magic eight ball, psychic fairs, Ouija yoga meditation tarot cards this is fun, this is harmless this is good for your spirit it makes you mindful this is part of wellness it's past Friday I just did that yes, I just did that had an in-service that was on wellness and these people really mean well they're saying let's de-stress let's not just add more on top of our stress let's really pay attention to ourselves and make sure that we're healthy that's a great thing (laughs) teaching the children mindfulness as a part of our training as this group of people we as a group were led through yoga and buddhist practices that were designed for changing the physical world through spiritual means. Which is, by the way, the basic doctrine of the occult. You ask a person who practiced the occultism, and they say, what is above, below. What is outside, within. That's the basic practice of the occult. To change what we see through what we don't. That's what occultism means. So we, we were led through things like a kindness and compassion ritual. Things like a meditation for unlocking your inner plane and getting in touch with your inner self. Things like <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to go into it. Praise God. A lot of the people who are at my church, are, are at the place where I work, are Christian. And we had a few people, everybody responded a different way. All the Christians in the room responded a different way. I saw a few people stand up and walk out. Praise God for you guys, the courage. Awesome. I had a few people um, who I saw cross their hands. And that's what I did. Yeah, you go ahead with whatever you're doing. I'm going to fight the battle the spiritual battle here sitting in the same room, and I'm going to cast all those demons out of this room. (laughs) 
See, I don't run away from a fight. I just jump right into it. Once you recognize it is a fight, then you can fight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I started asking God to do spiritual battle in that room so that all the other people in that room would not be drawn into darkness. And the, the, the yogi, the person who was assigned to do this, said, this just doesn't seem to be working. I was like, praise God for that. <laughs> Prayer works, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so here's what Jesus said to, about all of this stuff that I just said. Verse 12. He says, for whoever does these things is an abomination. Now I've heard people in our culture, I've had people come up to me and say, oh yeah, abomination, huh? Just like that. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> what? What are you saying? They're like, oh yeah, it's an abomination. I'm like, do you know what that means? What, do you know what it means for something to be an abomination? It means something that God can't stand for. Because he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to get into it. That's what an abomination means. It doesn't mean he's disgusted or that he wants to spit you out or that he can't stand to look at you. It's the things that he just cannot stand for, for the people that he loves in his life. Do you know what I'm saying? You get that? That's what an abomination means. And that's what he says here. Whoever does these things is an abomination. Meaning it, you can't stand to have them with you. <laughs> Don't stand for it. Don't put up with it. Fight. Fight. <clears throat> Usually when this word is used, actually most of the time when it's used, it has nothing to do with people. It has to do with impure foods. It has to do with eating with foreigners. It has to do with things that had to do with idols and a sin. This is not a disqualification for life. This is a simple word that just means if you do this, it's sinful. That's what we're talking about. When you hear abomination, think sin. <laughs> Something that keeps you away from God. Okay. So he says, these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners, but you, as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So the big takeaway from everything that we just heard, stay away from that stuff if your life's goal is to become like Christ. Jesus probably could have been the most powerful wizard in the history of all humanity if he had wanted to. But he stayed away from it, and so do we. Simple enough? Okay. Now, if you do go to a psychic fair, you're making a decision to live not like God loves you. You're making a decision to live your life as though God doesn't love you and that you don't love him back. And if you've done this, it doesn't mean you're going somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not that you're disqualified. That's not the point. The point is that you are, not, that you are God's child and he wants the best for you. And that's not it. Okay. Acts chapter 19, verses 19 through 20 said, And a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of all those things, and they came out to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is what Christianity is. It's to take all those things that are already there and to displace them. And to say, instead of that, here's God. 
Instead of that weak explanation, that weak desire to control the world around you, here's God who is already in control. If we try to use these things to try and understand the world around us, we will not see what Jesus wants for us. Because God desires, Jesus knows our heart and our desire to know him more. And all those other things are trying to get to know and control the creation instead of getting in touch with the creator. This is a better way. And that's where Jesus goes next through Moses and he speaks to them about a better way to fill that void, a better way to seek to understand what's happening. And he continues in verse 15 and he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not again hear the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in which they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. Jesus came from among his brothers, his fellow Nazarenes, his fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command. Jesus said, I only say what the Father is saying and I only do what the Father is doing. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 26 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, named Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of the restoring of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Acts chapter 7, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up you for you, a prophet like me, from your brothers. And this is Christ our Lord. That's Peter. We have no illusions about who the prophet is that God is talking about through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18. It is Christ the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. But what about that last line? What about verse 19? That's the hardest verse in this whole passage. You know why? Listen. Whoever will not listen to my words that, that, that Jesus shall speak in my name, I myself, will require it of him. One of the worst things that I think happens in American Christianity is there is zero accountability. 
You do whatever you want. If somebody doesn't like it, you go somewhere else. Zero accountability. Do you know what used to happen in churches when you decided you want to do your own thing and you just try to go to a different church? Do you know what? That pastor would find out where you were before and would call or write and find out, did you leave okay? Did you have their blessing? Because if you didn't and you're not welcome in that community, guess what happens with this community? You're not welcome yet. You got to go back. You got to make peace. You got to do what you need to do to get right with the Lord before you come into our community of faith. There is no accountability today. We don't, God does not require it of people through his church, usually in America today. That's a problem. But we know that one day all of us are going to stand before God's throne. And we're all going to be required to give an account for the answer to one question. Did you listen to what Jesus said? Did we listen to his words that he spoke or not? Did we put our faith and our trust in fallen spirits who are trying to trick us, to deceive us, to lie to us, to destroy us? Or did we listen to Jesus? so important that every preacher who is able to move in the prophetic that is really important because God's word is not just out there it's for us there are of course prophets who God uses in a special way these prophets seek to understand what God is saying to us to edify us to encourage us and build us up and in this communion and in this church we are open to prophecy But we know that it must be tested. We know that we can't go crazy with it. We have had prophetic words spoken in this congregation many times, and it has greatly influenced the direction of where we have gone for the better. Absolutely for the better. But it's because we've tested them. So I want to ask you right now, who in this room has actually had a word of the Lord spoken over them? Okay. do you remember what it was? Most people do. Most people, it sticks with them. And we know that true prophets speak God's word for us about what he desires for us and how he is leading us. However, if you're like me and you've been a charismatic for a long, long time, and you've been open to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives for a good amount of time, you're going to notice it doesn't always go well. (laughs) In the 80s and 90s, you guys will remember, maybe some of you will remember this, there was a whole group of people that had a a book that they would keep with them at all times. And a lot of times they'd forget their Bible, but they'd remember this book anytime they went to church because they might get a word of the Lord for them, and they'd write it down in their book, and then they'd keep track of their prophecies and try and find ones that came true. (laughs) And I can tell from the looks on your faces, the people who have seen this and the people who haven't. (laughs) If you've been a charismatic for a long time, it's very, very easy to get way too focused Not on Jesus, but on something he does. You get what I'm saying? Like we get so caught up in the things that make us go, that we want that all the time. 
340 years, Jesus didn't do that one single time for the people of Israel, but we think we should have it every week. Come on. Come on, people. (laughs) It'd be great. But we can't imagine that that's, you know, that's not how God has worked. And so why would we imagine that's how he is worked? What he does say is, I have given you the Holy Spirit to live within you, to be your comforter and your guide. He does not say, I've given you your own personal prophet so that every week you go up, get prayed for, and you'll hear my word. He says, my word lives in you. My spirit lives in you. Now, we love prophecy in this church. We absolutely do, but we're not obsessed with it. We're not addicted to it. We haven't elevated it above where it should be in the practice of our faith so it becomes idolatrous. We have not done that. And I love that about our church, and we need to keep that going. But how do you know <laughs> when it's actually a word of the Lord? My, some of my favorite examples when I was a kid, I heard someone go up to the pulpit and the, the prophet, and they, they stood up and they said, Thus saith the Lord. I am sick and tired of your sin. And I'm like, okay, first of all, God doesn't get sick. <laughs> sickness can't abide with him. And he doesn't get tired because he, you know, he, he, he never sleeps. <laughs> so that's already a big warning, red flag, warning, 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 you know, going off in my head. But then the other thing is, God never said, I am so sick and tired of your sin. He said, I took your sin. I love you so much that even when you were yet a sinner, I died for you. You being a sinner, I can abide. It's not too much for me. So that was the point where I was like, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> so how saith he thus? Like, you know, <laughs> did he really saith thus? I don't know if he saith thus. <laughs> So it's important that prophets learn well to discern when Jesus is talking to them because, back to Deuteronomy 18, verse 20, look at it. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Ooh. Ooh. This just got serious. That's not quite so fun anymore. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken, and the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you need not fear him, need not respect him, need not hold him in an honorable place as standing in the place of God for you. We know that when Jesus came, he came in grace, taking all our sins. So when it says that same prophet shall die, we're not bound by that. I'm not saying when you hear a prophet start to say, thus saith the Lord, you start gathering stones just in case. (laughs) Not what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) What I am saying is when you hear someone moving in the prophetic, it's important that we recognize That if we do it wrong, we're doing just like the pagans do because we're putting something else in the place of God in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. 
First John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Jeremiah 23, this is my favorite one, because listen to the imagery. I'm, I'm in love with imagery. It says, Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat? declares the Lord. There's a reason why we preach on the word every week, but we don't necessarily do prophecy every week. (laughs) There's a reason. What has the straw to do with the wheat? Really what God's intention and desire is this. It's like the occult and all that stuff. That's there. The prophecy and all that. That's there. That's important. But what's really important is this. What has the primary position in your life? What is it that you put your faith and your trust in? Because if you're a Christian, that person is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The Holy Trinity three in one is our desire and our primary focus of the Christian life. And that is why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that we wouldn't have to guess how the world works. So that we do not have to try to figure it out for ourselves and try and say, well, that's an interesting pattern. We should explore that. That's an interesting way that maybe we can manipulate that. That's a really interesting way the world works. Let's see if we can figure that out. He said, no, I came so that you may know and believe. We don't have to look at how creation works because we know the creator. The creator who loves us and the creator who wants best for us. The creator who's not angry with us, but only desires for us to continually turn not to things, but to him for direction and for guidance. For us to rely on him and to seek him for our understanding of his creation. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this world to help us see the Father. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for expressing his reign on the earth and in our hearts and for letting us know you more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Let's stand for prayer.